Welcome back, everybody, to another episode of the Essential Sports Pod. Um, I'm here again with my boys, Gerald and Addison. Yo, what's up, guys? Yeah, just for another week of some Redbird baseball, you know. It's been a good week. Um, once again, getting some W's, some people heating up. Um, so, we're just going to get into it. First, I want to start with recapping some of the games uh, that we've played in the last week. Uh, since last episode, uh, the Cardinals finished up the series with the Dodgers and then played the Cincinnati Reds in a four-game series. Um, so we're just going to get started with the Dodgers and move on to the Cincinnati Reds. So, first game, well, first of the last two games against the Dodgers, uh, we won 6-5. to five. Uh, We went up early um, in the game. We went up 3-0 until the 6th where they tied it. And then go-ahead Gorman hits a three-run bomb in the 8th to take the lead. What did you guys see that game? Oh, uh, well, first I want to start on the pitching side. I got to give Michael his props. He looked pretty solid out there. He had seven in his pitch, and he gave up three runs against the powerful Dodgers lineup. So I want to give him his credit. And then, you know, like you said, Gorman is on a tear. He's proving once again that he's one of the best hitters in baseball at this very moment. So from my standpoint, I think it's one of the best wins of the year as far as excitement and overall team like wellness put together because the pitching was solid and then the hitting was very clutch, obviously, with Gordon. So, yeah, that's what I've seen from that game. Yeah, I completely agree um, with Gerald, I think. Um, it was good to see Michael. I was more impressed, I suppose, with Michaelis' um, performance. I mean, Gorman, Gorman's been amazing. He's been hot, um, which is really good. But I think um, Michaelis coming back with a pretty solid performance, um, keeping the, pitch, the pitching, keeping us in the game, um, or at least keeping the opponents out of the game uh, was big. Yeah, uh, I do remember in the ninth inning, the Dodgers, they did end up getting two runs to kind of make things interesting and make it more in reach, which, uh, you know, it it did get a little tough there at the end. But when Gorman, you know, puts us up by three, I think he did at the point of his home run, you know, you give the pitching a little bit confidence to go out there. You Like, hey, maybe you can give up a run or two, but, you know, we have this three-run lead. Just kind of sit on it and close it out. And, yeah, that's what happened with that game. Yeah, I was going to say that Helsley gave a little scare right there. Um, yeah. But then Gio came in and cleaned it up in the ninth, so it was nice. It was good. Right. So, moving on to the next game. Um Finishing off the series on a series win against the Dodgers, ten to five. Um, this was a big game for Oscar Mercado. He had a five, he had five RBIs, uh, and then DeYoung hit a three-run bomb as well. Uh, 
what impressed me the most about this game was that it was against Kershaw, who pretty much had a perfect game until the fifth or sixth inning last time he came up against us. Um, and we got him out in the fourth. Uh, we He let up four runs uh, in 95 <coughs> pitches and four innings. So, yeah. What you guys see? Um, I Yeah, I think a great bounce-back win against Kershaw um, after the last time we faced him um, was really big. And I think... I think it was pretty decent performance out of Flaherty. I mean, 4.2 innings, three runs earned. Four walks was a little discouraging, but five strikeouts. Um, so, you know, I think um, I think that was good. And then, obviously, we didn't know it then, but the uh, emergence of Oscar Mercado was uh, really big. Yeah, I agree with you. Um, I remember that game. I was so excited to see Mercado just doing what he did. You know, he had a big day all around. He's mostly known for his glove and his athleticism, but when he puts it together at the plate, then he's a super valuable person at the bottom of the lineup. Um, I think this game is uh, pretty much a sign for what's been going on with the with the offense as far as the bottom of the lineup really producing really well. Um, I remember at this point in time, I think Goldie was, I think he was getting a lot of walks and stuff, but he wasn't hitting very, very well. Um, but to see Mercado go out there and get five RBIs and DeYoung produce, you know, these aren't the guys that we said that we were going to rely on at the beginning of the season, but you need those type of guys that'll come up and that you can rely on in the middle of the season to do things like this. And it just goes to show how many uh, reinforcements we have on the offense, in my opinion. Yeah, I agree. Um, I was going to bring up that the bottom of the lineup has been great the last few games. Um, Sometimes it just feels like one of the top three guys goes cold every every game. There's one that goes cold and then somebody in the bottom of the lineup picks it up uh and it's great um i was super glad that we got to kershaw um he's he's been super good this this year i think he he has been slowing down as of late um let me see yeah i think he's yeah dropped off since he won uh what pitcher of the month yeah in may he's got a 5.12 era so yeah it's yeah. nice to i guess I, contribute to that I remember going into the game, they were talking about how he lost someone in his family, so he Mm. was going to be pitching inspired or, like, not or, but also uh, after that outing, he was going to go on the, the, I forgot what the list is called when you step away from the team, but uh, he was going to be on that. So they said he was going to be pitching there in the first inning, you know, looking sharp, but for the Cardinals to get three in the second and then continue in the fourth and fifth and stuff like that is just good to see, man. Um, You know, Hall of Fame level pitcher, but when you can get to that type of guy, I think that just goes to show what type of offense you have and the capabilities that they have. Yeah, I'm also glad we got the series win win over them because, you know, they swept us last time. 
Yeah. So that's one of the best teams in baseball. Yeah. Right there. Yes, sir. Um, all right. Well, moving on to the most recent series against the Cincinnati Reds. Um, coming into this series, the Reds were on a four-game losing streak, and uh, you know the Cardinals have been hot, uh, and they went the Reds' way. Um, we lost six to five. Um, they walked it off in the tenth, which was which was hard to see, but it happens. Uh, Monty pitched this this game. He had four innings, seven hits, and let up four runs. Um, I don't know. It's maybe Mon- Monty has been slowing down as of late as well. Um, yeah, the month of May it's been a little rough for him, but I know I'm still pretty confident every time he goes out there. Um, so, yeah, I want to hear your opinions on this game. Yeah, uh, I think this game also speaks to the trend of the team uh, as far as the pitchers. Uh, they, oh wait. We got three in the first, but I think the the pitchers, as far as the starters, have been kind of getting out to a slow start at the beginning of the game, and then kind of settling in. But by the time they settle in, they are already at eighty or ninety pitches, so they kind of have like a short leash. But uh, yeah, it was a it was a super competitive game. Uh, before the series started, I kind of looked at this series like a trap series because. You know, Cardinals come in with so much momentum and uh, the Reds, they're kind of on a skid a little bit. But, you know, first off, that's a division opponent in the Reds. Uh, They're always going to play us tough. And then. You get the ball in the air, it's a good chance that it's going to travel. And, you know, they're the home team. So, you know, home home field advantage. So I. I think it's okay to come out of, but yeah, that first game definitely maybe set the tone slightly for um, the series overall. Just I feel like kind of tough luck with that game, but you know, love to see the Cardinals take that. Um, yeah, I'm with you there. I think um, it was definitely a tough, you know. The Great American is a very offensive-friendly ballpark, and the pitching struggled. I mean, four innings, seven hits from Montgomery is not um, winning baseball. But, um, you know, the offense also, I think, really struggled. You had an 0-for-5 day from Edmund, one for or no, 0-for-3 with two walks out of Goldschmidt. Uh, 0 for 4 with a walk out of uh, Contreras, Arnado, 0 for 5. Um, you know, obviously we keep saying it, but it was Gorman that was hot on 2 for 4 and a walk. Um, you know, but uh, outside of that, the, you know, the offense, I think, I mean, they were giving up a lot of walks. Cincinnati was. Um, but you know, I think the offense um, really struggled to put the game away um, just with the bat. Yeah, um, what I would have to say is, you know, you generally, when you go out there, 
and you score five runs, you would like to think that you're in a position to win. But, you know, with our staff, you know, five is probably around the point where the game's competitive. Like, if we put up five, chances are they might have put up four or five or six. Right. Oh, Especially you now know. with it being more offensive um, yeah. focused. Yeah. You know, I feel like we're used to baseball games being, you know, three to one. But now right. you're seeing a bunch of games going double digit scoring. And, you know, yeah. I think that's just an adjustment that everybody's going to have to make. Yeah, definitely an offensive influx as far as like, comparison to old times but uh yeah it's it's tough to see this game not put away but i think we bounce back fairly nicely in the next few games in this series i i want to interject so sorry i was just thinking um about the new the new rules and do you guys i had never thought about it like this but it seems kind of evident do you think the cardinals struggles with pitching um are possibly due to the um new rules and the game go like i feel like the game being shifted to be more of an offensive game exposes the poor pitching staffs more than it has in past years uh i think you know is it's kind of tough to say, like, as a Cardinals pitching staff, because, you know, the past, I want to say, four or five years, we've kind of been at this point where we need the offense to carry. But like you said, I think the pitch clock was kind of in favor of the hitters, and that kind of did hurt us a little bit. Um, but, uh, yeah, I think – I think the pitch clock definitely caters to hitters and it definitely hurts us just slightly because, uh, you know, batters kind of got to stay in the box, you know, hang in there. I think that that provides them an element as far as staying locked in on location of pitches and stuff like that. And I really feel like when you look at the Cardinals starting rotation, you don't really have a guy that you go out there and you fear like, velocity wise like i know jack can bring it sometimes you know 95 96 but uh you know you see i think you go out there you see wayno he's his fastball is at 87 88 maybe um you know in in your head as a hitter you're like oh i'm not i'm not scared once i see this fastball i'm gonna drive it and i feel like that you know he did pitch in this series, and I kind of feel like I was getting that feeling from it. So, yeah, I think the rules, the Cardinals have adjusted, but, you know, the quality of arms that we have is just not really up to par with other with teams. Right. And well, I guess the rule I guess I was more alluding to was maybe the, the shift ban. Because if you don't have, you know, a shut ga- shutdown guy – a uh, true ace that's going to get you 10 strikeouts a game. You know, you're relying on a lot of these guys to get you soft contact and, you know, make plays defensively, which we can do. But, you know, I'm wondering if the ban on the shift or maybe even the bigger bases, but primarily the ban on the shift, um, you know, 
allows those soft contact hits to just kind of bloop down, you know? Yeah, yeah I definitely um, agree with you on that. Um, one thing that has come to mind when you say that is, um, you know, the Cardinals, the Cardinals philosophy on offense is like be relentless, hit the ball hard and stuff like that, which is a great philosophy. And then on the flip side with the pitching is more so, you know, we have more pitch to contact type of guys. And I feel like after after a guy kind of has a rough outing out there for us, like Steven Matz or uh, Wayno and stuff like that, they're just going to the media. They're like, oh, um, they kind of got a little lucky, you know, soft contact, blah, 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 blah. But soft contact is still contact and it's still a viable way to get players on base. So, you know, mm-hmm. as much as much as soft contact isn't the desired outcome of a of a uh, at bat for a batter, you know, it's still a viable way to get on base. It's still a viable way to eat up the starting rotation that you're going against. So, you know, we kind of have that philosophy, but I think these new rules and stuff, you obviously you want to get it to the point where the the players don't even put the ball in play. Because, you know, that's the most certain way that you will get an out is a strikeout. So, you know, our starting rotation doesn't really have strikeout stuff that kind of comes to bite us in games like this. 100%. Yeah. Yeah. As much as we could blame the, the rules, like, you still need better guys out there, you know. No, I mean I'm I'm with you. I think that's why we fell short last year. But it felt yeah. like you know this this pitching rotation is very similar, if not identical, to the one we had last year. I mean, you're missing right. uh, Quintana, and you've got Flaherty back, and you got a right. year older Wainwright. But you know, last year it felt like you know you could pitch to soft contact, and then you know you just have whoever, Tommy Edmond playing in shallow shallow right, and you're just getting easy outs, and that's how you're keeping guys off the bases. And so I feel like, you know, with the shift, you can get away with having, um, I don't want to say subpar, but a subpar pitching staff. Yeah. Um, but now that you have to play a team straight up defensively, now I feel like you're like, oh, God, we need a guy that can actually go out there and pitch for seven innings and strike out ten batters. Right. I feel you on that for sure. Do you think a part of it was having Molina behind the plate, though? Like, not as, I'm not saying it was all Molina, but do you think that has something to do with it? Um, I think Molina's ability to read a batter and, you know call a game like I, I think I think Molina could like I think he could come come out of the dugout and know exactly what pitches in sequence he's gonna have our pitchers throw for the entire inning like just I think he just knew batters um he knew the stats and the scouting reports just I think better than I think he's one of the probably the best baseball minds we've ever seen. Um, so obviously I think that hurts us, but um, yeah. I mean, yeah, I, I yeah, think losing someone 
like Molina, obviously having Molina was such a big luxury for so long, and we definitely reaped the benefits of it defensively. Um, you know, obviously for the tail end of his career, he didn't offer pretty much anything offensively, but, you know, we were willing to work with it because we knew that he'll have the pitchers in the right place. He's a on-the-field manager. He, you can't run on them so you know kind of getting rid of those elements having like that security behind the backstop is definitely tough to lose and you know we kind of seen the after effects of it at the beginning of the season and maybe still kind of playing out just a little bit but yeah the shift I think I think it definitely hurts us like Addison said because when you when you can play a guy a certain way that kind of that kind of does like if even if he does get hard contact on the ball, you know he's hitting it right where he's played to, pretty much. So when you can't play him how you want to play him, and then you know he's still getting that hard contact, that's gonna obviously allow base runners, and then that's gonna jumpstart their offense. So yeah, I think I think it's a little bit of yadi, it's a little bit of the pitch clock, it's a little bit of the shift. So a lot of it of the arms that we have and the front office not addressing it, but you know, it's just about getting same guys at this point. Had. Right. It's the same conversation we've had. All right. Well, moving on to the second game of the Reds series. Uh, this was a big game for Goldie, two home runs and two at bats. Um, I'm not sure about the first homer, but I know the second homer was on the first pitch, which, man, imagine being that pitcher, he just comes right back up into another home run on the first pitch you throw. But um, it was against Ashcraft. He went five innings, seven earned runs. Um, and we had Wayno on the mound. Um, it was yeah. good to see. Um, he was doing pretty good. He only let up one run up until... Well, he had all, they, in the third inning, they had three on him. But he only had 77 pitches when he got pulled. Um, so it was kind of hard to see him let up a run in the sixth because, you know, you had a feeling they were going to take him out if they kept scoring. Um, yeah. But I would have loved to see him go an inning or more uh, if he didn't let up that run, obviously. Um, but what you guys see then? Um, me personally, I did agree with Wayno getting pulled. I think this is the game where Arenado and Marmol got ejected, if I recall correctly. Which, first off, I would like to say, the umpire that ejected Arenado, you're in your feelings, you're mad. Arenado wasn't really saying anything to him. He didn't really do anything foul, and he ejected him. So I didn't agree with that at all, and I think everyone can agree with that. And, you know, Marmol coming out there defending his player, you know, I love to see that from the manager. But, uh, yeah, you know, you see – you look at the, the stat line of this game, and you're like, well, Wayno isn't cruising through this game, but he was – at certain points he was getting, quote-unquote, soft contact, you know, Brad Thompson and Chip Carey were just talking about that all game. Oh, soft contact, soft contact, float the curveball in there, blah, blah, blah. But, 
when you when you look at the line, you know, he gives up one in the first, two in the third, one in the fifth. So, you know, he comes to the game with his with his ERA at six point three three. And um when he when he got pulled out, you see him have a conversation with the interim manager um about getting pulled out and uh, of course, you still want to see him be out there because he does have a lead. But, you know, you gave up five runs. Like, I know this is like his last season, you know, Wainwright's the darling. And, you know, he defies the odds, throws 85 miles per hour, but still gets out, you know, stuff like that. But I do agree with it because I feel like you can't – you can't really – baby him you can't like just say oh it's okay that you gave up four or five runs you know we know you're old like I feel like it's kind of played out at this point so I kind of did agree with him getting pulled he was working well and he was in the zone with his pitches but in the zone for Wayno is topping out at 88 miles per hour on your fastball you see that get hammered to the gap like a few times. And I know in his post game conference, he was talking about, oh, I kind of got unlucky. I hate pitching here. You know, he was like, I'll dust off my sandals and get ready for my next start. But when you really look at it, like, you know, soft, like I said, soft contact is a way to win the game. Um, they put up five runs against you. As or against us as a team, you know, and they're not supposed to be that good. So, you know, kind of, I kind of feel like, yeah, he was working good, but you know, I feel like his ceiling is pretty much capped at this point, in my opinion, as far as, you know, being a dominant starting pitcher like he once was. I think, um, Yeah, you know, I, I think I think you're right about the Wano's old thing kind of being played out. Um, and I don't want to say this to detract from um, Wainwright or to, to make it sound like I'm hating on him because I'm not. I could never. But if he, you know, wanted not, – not if he wanted. The retirement tour was last year. You know what I'm saying? Like last year, it was great. It was it was one more hurrah for Yachty. One more, you know. Let's see if Albert could get to five or seven hundred. Um, yeah, you know stuff like that. So if if Wano wanted to have like Wano didn't retire after last year, that's just a fact. And so yeah. now we're in the business of winning baseball games. And you know if Wano is too old or can't get it done, you know I think you have to. You know, you can't really make the excuses. You know, it's like, okay, I got pulled because I gave up, what was it, four runs, something like that, three runs, five runs? Four, four or five, one of those. Five runs, yeah. A lot of five. So, I mean, you know, obviously I still love Wayno. He's a St. Louis hero, but it's, you know, so what that you're old, dude. Like, we're in the business of winning baseball games right now. Yeah, and it's just 
it's just to me it's kind of played out at this point i know i'm only 20 years old and you know i grew up on wayno you know i'm not really the older cardinals fan that says oh wayno is one of the best pitchers of all time oh he needs to be in the rotation because i don't necessarily feel that way if we're really looking at the stats he has a 6.33 era he's right in the middle of our rotation that hasn't been good this year um so you know i feel like the nas the national media is is like in favor of when oh, oh my, my god he's coming up on career win number 200 you know can he keep it going but you know the only reason that he was in a position to win this game was because his offense came to play you know the offense one in the first two in the second one in the third three in the fourth you know so you know we we come out here to play on offense but you know Wayne Wright is right in the middle of this rotation that hasn't been good um and he he hasn't been healthy and he hasn't really been a difference maker when he's been back on the field now behind the curtains you know he's a great guy you know big big spirit animal you know really really supportive of the team but the on the field production for Wayno, you know i'm kind of i'm kind of indifferent on it you know yeah i agree i think it's more more of a clubhouse presence than uh on the right. field production but you know that's what you expect when you know you can't throw more than 90. right and i and i got i just got a question for y'all like when we think of the best rotations in baseball who comes to mind like what teams come to mind for you guys oh well, mets but even though they haven't yeah. been doing yeah. crazy good so the, the mets, mets on paper is really yeah. good padres on paper yeah. probably tampa bay, tampa bay is yeah. really yeah, let's take Tampa Bay. You know they're the best team in baseball. Is Wayno okay. going to be a starter for Tampa Bay in that rotation? No, no. And the crazy right. part is so that, that they're paying twenty, like twenty-five million for all their pitchers, and they're right. top, yeah. top MLB. Right. Wayno, Wayno makes twenty, twenty M's. Michaelis makes twenty M's, which. Okay, I kind of like that idea more. We're kind of seeing Michaelis turn it up as we talk about with these next few games coming up. But yeah, man, you you're paying twenty mil for a guy who has a six ERA. Sure, he's bringing a lot of spirits. He is singing the national anthem on opening day. But uh, you know, like like Edison said, the Ferro tour was last year. The sympathizing, I feel like that kind of should have got left last year. Because based on his on the field play, he shouldn't even be a starter, in my opinion. I hate to say it. To yeah. me, to me, it's like uh, it's like where the Hawks signed Vince Carter. It's like yeah. you know, okay, cool. You got a you know an all time great veteran. You know that's that's amazing. That's good for you. Is Vince Carter paired with Trey Young going to be? the thing that gets you over the hump and wins you an NBA finals? Like, absolutely not. You know what I'm saying? Like, Wayno, like, even if Wayno was, you know, if Wayno could get it down to, like, a 3-5 or a 4 ERA, like... That's good. That's, that's good, but it's not, you know what I'm saying? Like, it's not, 
it's not groundbreaking. Yeah, that's not the impact that we need. Yeah, look at it. Look at it like this. You know, he's a great, great morale guy. He's gonna keep the guys locked in. Maybe he needs to be the Udonis Haslam of the Cardinals because Udonis Haslam hasn't played for the since about 2014 or 2015. But he's been on that roster every year, and guess what? He's still making an impact. He's still, you know, coaching the guys up. So having having that type of presence is always needed and important, in my opinion. But the production on the field slash the core isn't there, obviously. We haven't – at this point, Udonis Haslam is not an NBA-level player anymore. Right. And the coaches very much know that. So, therefore, he's in court. But his value is still very high. So, I feel like that could be a good comparison. But that's why I compared him to uh, – or that's why I compared Wayno to Vince Carter is because Vince Carter was getting minutes in Atlanta. Like, Dallas Housem isn't detrimental to your – offense. You know what I'm saying? Like, Udonis Haslam can't hurt you. All he can do is coach you up. Wayno can go out and give up five runs. You know what I'm saying? So it's really not Udonis Haslam. Like, if he, if Wayno just wanted to be a clubhouse guy, like, you don't even necessarily have to give him a coaching title. But even if he wanted to just work with our pitchers, fantastic. I'm all on board for that. But it's when, you know, he's going out and he's giving up the five runs, and he's putting us in tough positions to win games that I get a little frustrated. Yeah, I feel you. All right. <laughs> uh, finishing off with the recaps, uh, the last two games. Um, the second last game, we lost 10-3. to This one was rough from the get-go. Oh, my goodness. Um <laughs> Matt's pitched uh, 4.0 innings, let up 11 hits in four innings, um, let up six runs, and he had 90 pitches in the fourth, um, in the fifth. Uh, yeah, man, this one they, this one was rough. Um, they Matt's gave up four runs in the first, so literally from the first inning on, it was just tough to watch. Um, also, Ben Lively pitched a great game against us. Um, with six innings, yeah. only let up two and struck out eight. Um, so yeah, I don't really have much to say about this game. Um, they had eighteen hits. Uh, yeah. You know what? That's perfectly fine. Let me take center stage first off. Stephen Matz. <laughs> I'm just let it out. I, I really appreciate what you what you brought to the Cardinals team. You know. When he signed his deal, you <laughs> 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 got too passionate. We lost you. We lost you, buddy. Sorry about that, but <laughs> uh, so yeah, I think when you when he signed that deal, he he was coming off of a good year. And let me know if I'm lagging, by the way, like at any point. So he's he's coming off a year where he had a 3.86 ERA, which is decent. But you look at his body of work in MLB, he hasn't been healthy for a while. He hasn't had a full season. Um, you know, 
I kind of feel like the deal was a surprise. I feel like it was an overreaction. And to give him four years and almost 50 million, you know, front office, what, what were we thinking? What, what did we see from this man that warranted this kind of contract? And I feel like it's always these type of contracts with the Cardinals, like these B-grade players, like we have like the, the Steven Matz of the world, the Brett Cecil's of the world, the Dexter Fowler's of the world, the, those type of contracts where we sign this B-level player and he, yes, yes, like, and they produce like a C or a D. Like, what, what, Steven Matz, like, genuinely, he, you, I turned on this game and I'm excited. I'm like, okay, Steven Matz has been working better, you know, can he build on it? I feel like when he's out there on the mound, man, you you always just have this uncertainty. Like, what what Steven Matz are we gonna get today? Are we gonna get like the the Steven Matz that gives up four runs in his outing, or are we gonna get the Steven Matz that gives up eight or ten runs in his outing? And you know, the Reds of all teams just absolutely rocked him from the start. I think. Um, I think he was trying to work with his changeup a lot, and his changeup was just getting left, like, up in the zone. And that in the MLB is a recipe for disaster. Um, sure, he can go out there and throw 95 pitches, but half of those pitches are going to get seen well. They're going to get hammered, you know. And at Great American Small Park, you know, <laughs> it's just, it's just, that's just how it's going to go. You're going to get absolutely rocked. So, yeah, take him out of the rotation, put him in the bullpen, can't really get rid of him. No one's going to trade for him. We have him for two more years. Like, oh, my God, it's just so terrible, so terrible. I mean, yeah, I'm really tired of saying it. Because I think we, I, I keep bringing these these things up, but you know, to build off what Gerald's saying, we're we're too cheap to go after and sign Juan Soto. We're too cheap to make a move on Rondo. Or, you know, um, uh, lose out on the Murphy trade, um, signing, and then we're and then we're paying big money that, like, completely screws us over, like, down the road mm-hmm. to guys like Dexter Fowler, Jason Hayward, to, you know. Remember Brett to, Cecil? To, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, you know, to guys that, like, are just kind of bad. Like, yeah. I, I don't know, like. You guys hype up Matt's to these like four run. I feel like the the four run Matt's master classes are like unicorn performances. It's like <laughs> it's like it's like Carlos Boozer dropping the most random fifty ball in NBA history. Like it just why why does he why does Carlos Boozer have a fifty point game? Nobody knows. Yeah. Why, Steven, why did Steven Matt's give up four runs one game? Nobody knows. I just come to expect eight runs. Out of him, it drives me crazy, especially for the money that we're paying him. 
It's crazy because he has all the tools to be a good pitcher. He's a lefty. He throws hard. He has a good sinker. He has off speed that can work off of it. It's just I don't know what it is. He's easy to read. He's easy to get hits off of. He's not locked in at other times. Like, it's just I don't know. I don't know what it is. And, you know, Looking at his stats, he's 0-6 this year, by the way. Like, he hasn't won a game, and he's lost six. But obviously, he's had more outings than that. But he, you know, pretty much always puts us in a position to lose, you know. So, but, uh, yeah, man, it's just I, I love the guy. He seems cool off the field, you know, seems like he'll hold a good conversation. But... I think he needs to be holding conversations with people in the bullpen next to Andre Pallante because I'm tired of seeing him in the rotation, man. Yeah, man. Like, you know, it's like I said, we're in the business of winning baseball games. Like, I really care that yeah. Steven Matz would be a fun guy to go get a beer with. Like, can you give me five scoreless innings, please? Yeah, for real. For real. God. I'm not asking for a no-hitter or a perfect game. I'm just asking for, like, three runs given up. Is that so Yeah, I was about to say. Six innings, three runs, you know, maybe be our fourth or fifth arm that we can throw out there for a different look. Like, I feel like at at some point, like, I think the point is now, but I think at some point, you know, we kind of have to, Maybe on the days that he pitches, maybe have like an opener, and I know that's like supposed to be quote unquote for the starter. You're not giving them confidence or whatever, but you know, based on his track record in SEL, what has he done to prove that he deserves the utmost confidence? So far, it's been two seasons. The first one was bad, and then it was injury riddled, and this one he's. This season, he's fully healthy, but it's just bad. So it's just like, what have you done, you know? Yeah, it seems like I'm holding my breath every time he throws a pitch. Like, I'm there, like, peeking <laughs> yeah. through my fingers for 90 pitches. Um, but, yeah, uh, moving on to the last game of the series, uh, it, we won 2-1. to one. It was a 1-1 one, one score until go-ahead Gorman. Broke the tie in the eighth. No, it, was, it, was, it was zero one zero one. I think. Was wasn't it one one? Oh, I might be wrong. Sorry, oh, don't wait, wait, cut wait, you wait, 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 wait. No, you are right. Uh, it was. Yeah. We were losing one. No, it was just tied. Let me just. Sorry about that. It was zero yeah. zero until the eighth when Gorman doubled to right yeah. and he scored new bar and then Gorman scored yeah. when Sims through a wild pitch um and then um oh yeah so this was the michaelis master class uh once again yes sir when he had pitched seven innings let up five hits uh and zero runs he didn't even walk anybody uh and he pitched 90 his pitch count was 95 Uh, so yeah Yeah. um there was a little scare at the end when we let up a run uh in the ninth but we got it done. Um, so what do you guys got to say about this game? 
Um, like you said, the big headliner of this game is Michaelis Masterclass. Um, I watched the whole game. Michaelis was using all – I think he's at his best when he can use all of his pitches in the zone, you know, the 70-mile-per-hour curveball, and he can spot up his 94-mile-per-hour fastball and use the sinker off that and, you know, stuff like that. You know, he's a super crafty guy, and I, I really do like Michaelis. Um, and like you said, uh, Gorman coming through in the eighth, man, he just – loves being in the big spots. That's what I noticed about him. He loves being up when he when he's depended on to get a hit or a, a timely hit at that. Uh, he was literally all of our offense for this whole game. It was, like you said, a pitcher's duel um, all the way through. Uh, it was a two-to-one game, so obviously. But, yeah, you know, you see Gorman go up there, like you said, you just have the guys on the team that you feel a certain way. Like we said with Mads, when he goes out there, we're holding our breath. But when Gorman goes up to the plate, you're like, you're excited to see what's about to happen next, even if he doesn't break through and get the result, which hasn't really been a thing this year because he's been so clutch. But you, you just see him go up there. He's a dog, man. He's only 23. He's He's fighting. He has a good eye this year. He it's still some swing and miss to his game, but you know, can't you can't complain about it with the stats that he's putting up, you know. So yeah, like you said, Michaelis Masterclass, Nolan Gorman came through. And yeah, I think that's pretty much what to take away from this game is for me. Uh, yeah, I mean, you kind of said it all for me. I think, um, obviously, I don't, I don't want to keep saying Gorman's, you know, carrying us, but obviously he, he is, he is the offensive highlight. Um, yeah, and then Mike, yeah, Michaelis. It seems like I guess Gorman waits for, like every, I feel like every other game we have a different person stepping up like the young will step up and then mercado will step up uh gorman mm-hmm. not gorman goldschmidt hits two home runs but then when nothing's going on i feel it feels like gorman's just waiting for yeah for that pitch in the seventh eighth ninth inning yeah for real he really he wants to be in the spot where he's depended on to get the big hit and you know he just he just has that if factor I think he has it in general, but for right now, he definitely has it. You know, uh, he's a middle of the lineup guy. He's a lefty bat. So having him, him, Goldie and Arenado and having him from the left side, you know, when those guys are right-handed hitters, you know, it's very, very good for the lineup. And, you know, he's reaping the benefits right now. Um I guess I guess I could say it was good to see Luke Weaver do good. I know he was a Cardinals Cardinals draftee back in the day, but uh, you know, glad to see that he's doing better. But I'm also glad to see that we came out with the dub against him. So yeah, that's where I'm at. All right, um, so we're just gonna transition to the confidence meter to finish off the episode. Um. So we'll be right back.
Alright, welcome back everybody to our confidence meter segment. Uh, we got three players we want to talk about today. Um, so, yeah, let's get right into it. Uh, first player is Oscar Mercado. He just recently came up um, to play. He's been tearing it up, it seems like, especially his first few games. He went 3 for 4, 3 for 4, and he had a four game hidden streak. And he also had a five RBI game. Um, so, personally, I would give him a three and a, a three out of five just because I don't really know Oscar Mercado. Um, I've never really followed him. Um, so, yeah, I'm right in the middle of the pack, but I am hoping he keeps it up. Yeah. Addison, you want to go first or you want me to go? Yeah, no, I got it. Um, I'm going to give him a three out of five. I think, you know, obviously I hope he keeps it up. Um, my biggest concern, um, just for him as a player, because I don't know if you guys have followed uh, the Jordan Walker train down in AAA, um, mm -hmm. but, you know, we brought him up and he started off really hot, and then all of a sudden, you know, he started hitting a lot of ground balls. Well, he was getting on base with the ground balls, but then, you know, he slowed down getting on yeah. base. You know, I think he dropped to, like, 175 in the pros, and they sent him down to AAA, and he never bounced back. Or maybe he had, I haven't looked in, like, a week and a half, but, like, at that first month that he was in the in back down in AAA, well, not back down because he had never played AAA, but when he was in AAA, he was batting 175 still, and it was like, did we crush his spirit? Like, I think that would really suck, you know, if we, like, crushed his, you know – mentality like we you know gave him a shot it's like your dream came true you know you're in the big leagues and then like ah you're not good enough sorry and then you know he's he hasn't really bounced back from that yet and so i just hope that you know should he regress uh they don't you know they give him some more time than they give uh jordan walker uh, but i'm i'm going three 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 and a half out of five yeah, kind of piggybacking off everything you said. Uh, one, Jordan Walker did come out of the, the gates a little slow in AAA. Like you said, he never played in Memphis ever. He went straight from AA to the majors, which is a huge jump for a 20-year-old kid. He just turned 21. Happy birthday. Cheers. But, uh, yeah, he's kind of picking it up as far as, like, the last – two weeks I say I think he's hitting over 300 in his past few weeks and he's hitting with power but back to the guy Mercado uh I think he's been great for us and he's kind of been what we needed someone that could kind of provide a spark at the bottom of the lineup that's a, also an outfielder that also plays good defense um he's hitting 375 and he's slugging 500 so he, Overall, he has an A75 OPS. Um, just just based on his uh, past as an MLB big leader, he his career OPS is 682, which is below below uh, MLB average. So I do think he's kind of due for some regression because his average and his on base percentage is the exact same. So he really isn't walking. Like, now that I see that, so I do kind of think he's due for regression. But, yeah, man, he's been great, you know, 
that game against Kershaw, I was on my feet, like, excited. So, yeah, I'm right there with you guys. I'm going to say 3 or 3.5. I hope he can keep it up, but I do kind of think he's in for a little bit of regression, which kind of gets my rating at 3 in the middle. All right, perfect. I guess we all agree on Mercado. Uh, Moving on to one of our stars on the team, uh, Nolan Arenado. Um, He's been struggling again the last few games. Uh, He has no hits in the last three games. Um, And I don't know. I got a 3.5 rating on him. Um, But I'll I'll let Gerald take this one for us. Yeah, it's just... I feel like right now it's just something off about Arenado. Like, um, you know, you know what you're going to get on defense. You know, I say that every time I start with Arenado because, you know, he's the best defender in baseball. But, yeah, at the plate, I feel like he's kind of uncomfortable. You see him chasing a lot of pitches that he didn't chase last year. Uh, I knew he would probably regress a little bit from last year. but. At certain points, it's kind of unwatchable. I feel like he he strikes out on pitches he should never strike out on. Like, I remember he struck out on a curveball that bounced very far in front of the plate. And he likes to chase sliders outside of the zone. And um, also, I've seen this stat where uh, um, Goldie, Goldie has a 110 WRC+. Plus. Um, with runners in scoring position, which with the WRC plus the average is 100. So he's been 10 points above average. But Arenado, man, his his WRC plus was at nine. So he's been absolutely dreadful with runners in scoring position. And when I saw that, I was kind of thinking about it. I'm like, yeah, that does make sense because really the only hit that I remember him getting with the runner in scoring position was that RBI double down the line at Bush Stadium. And I know he's had some home runs with um, runners in scoring position, so that kind of helps. But, yeah, it's just something off with him, man. So I'm going to probably have to give him a three because I don't really know what it is. But I do know that he has the track record to bounce out of whatever he's in. So I'm right there at a three with him right now. Um, I think I think last week we were talking about, you know, Arnett always gets off to a slow start and then he gets hot and it just seems like it's for the rest of the year. Um yeah. but you know, I think he he's fallen into a little bit of a regression the last week. Um I'm not super worried about it. I still think a three and a half four for me, because we know what he does and I mean it's not late enough in the year. You know, I I still think, like, that I know he's going to have 30 and 100 this year. Um, and so, you know, I don't – it's not it's not late enough in the year for me to be, like, concerned about that. Um, yeah. It's just a matter of, you know, can he consistently produce instead of these little hot spurts? Um, so yeah, I'm, I'm yeah. feeling like a three and a half. Yeah, just to kind of kind of nail it down a little bit. So this year he's hitting 264, which 
his for his career he's two eighty eight hitters, so he's kind of a little bit below, but not too far off. But what I'm really seeing is the slugging for his career over eleven seasons. He has a five thirty one slugging, and this year it's at a four thirty seven. So that's a pretty much a hundred point drop off, which yeah. is taken away from his production. So if he can just start hitting for power a little bit more, I think he'll be okay. But I'm at three. Yeah, and the fun, the weird thing is that he's second on the team with RBIs, but he's been that bad with runners scoring position. So it seems like he's just like yeah. a little tweak away from being MVP in the MVP talk it, or close right. to it. Um, but right. yeah, moving on to our last player who has been shining in the month of May, and this is our starting pitcher, Miles Michaelis. Um, he has a 2.40 ERA in the month of May. Uh, he has 19 strikeouts to his five walks in this month. Um, and yeah, with Michaelis, it seems like you get to a point in the year where he's just dealing. Uh, last year, it was pretty early on in the season, and then he kind of regressed a little bit. But now it seems like he's getting into that again. Um, so I'd have to give him a five just because he looks so sharp. And, you know, as Gerald said, He's got so many pitches he can work with, and it seems and it seems like he's a super crafty guy. So yeah, I'll say five. Yeah, yeah, I'm I'm somewhere right there with you. I mean, just based off the fact that he, over his last few starts, he has that low of ERA at two point four. You said two point four zero, right? Yeah, that's obviously you want you want that from your starters. So I can't knock him in any way right now for the way he's pitching uh you see him going out there he he's kind of giving me that vibe where he want he wants to be that guy at the top of the rotation or he kind of realizes that he needs to be sharp and a top of the rotation guy right now just based on the quality of arms that we have but yeah like you said he he just goes through these spurts where he looks so so good and Everything is just going his way. Uh, I think he, when you think of soft contact, he's a soft contact king. Um, so, yeah, I'm I'm right there with you. I'm going to have to say four or five just based on how he's been doing. He got his ERA all the way down to 4.23 because I remember it was at the sevens to start the season. So, yeah, he's definitely turning it around. I'm going to have to say four or five. Michaelis to me, hmm, I don't know. I, he's been really hot recently, but you know he's still not. I think where he was, you know, like if you'd asked me last time, or this time last year, I would have told you a five. Because I mean, obviously he was like a Cy Young candidate and one of the better pitchers in baseball at this point. But um, I think I'm gonna give him a four. And you guys could come back to me in a week, and we'll see how he works out. But uh, his last star was super impressive, and I just hope he could kind of carry that on uh, to the next one and build off of that. Yeah, I feel like Michaelis is kind of a guy where if he does have that one blow-up start where he maybe gives up five or six or seven runs, um, his outlook after that, he might be, like, giving up three runs, three runs, four runs. But then 
once you really see him settle in, he really, really keeps it under two runs or less when he's really locked in. So whatever it is that helps him stay locked in or pitch where he's at his best, uh, keep doing it. He's been doing good. Yeah. All right. So that's going to wrap up the confidence meter segment. Um, we're just going to talk about, well, not talk about just, we got um, a three game series coming out with the guardians uh, in the next three days. Then we got the Royals and then the Pittsburgh. So maybe we can keep up all this winning uh, baseball. Uh, we got Libertor on the mound today against Bieber, who has been great this season. Um, yeah. so we're just hoping for Libertor to give us another good pitching game like he had last time. Yeah, going in, going into this series, um, you know, I I love the look of Libertor in the rotation versus using him out of the bullpen. I'm not sure why we were trying to do that. But, yeah, I, I am curious to see how he looks out there for his second start this season. Um, have high hopes, but uh, I know the Guardians have been slumping this year, but, you know, when you think of the Guardians, you kind of think of them as a very good pitching team. So uh, just kind of hope our pitching can kind of compete with that. Um, You know, not really worried about the offense, but, yeah, I'll see how the pitching does for me. Yeah, so I think that's going to wrap up this episode of – Cardinals baseball. Thank you everybody for coming back and listening to the Essential Sports Pod. Um, and yeah, we'll see you guys next week. You guys got anything else to add? Uh, I think so. All right. Just you know, as I always say, uh, thanks for the continued support. It's huge. You know, we wouldn't do it without you guys. So just thank you. That's all. Yeah. So. Everyone have a nice day, uh, and we'll see you guys next week.